The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied by an adult. A headstrong young knight risks losing his head. Today, on Chatterbox Audio Theatre. Hi everyone, this is Bob Arnold, Executive Director of Chatterbox Audio Theatre. Welcome back to the podcast. If you can believe it, I am here today with the ninth in our 12 shows in 12 months initiative. So that means we are already three quarters of the way through this year, uh, in which we are posting about one show every month. So in the last two months, we brought you the powerful drama, The Warriors. And this month, we return to high adventure with the very first Arthurian legend that we have ever dramatized here at Chatterbox. So I'm very excited to bring this to you. Stick around after the show, and I will be back with a preview of next month's release. For now, enjoy Gawain and the Green Knight. Of arms and the man I sing. Days of old, when dangers were many and knights were most bold, and the boldest of these sat in King Arthur's court and sought out adventure for glory or sport, when sport could yet mean that one's life was at stake. But I labor my story, so let me not take any more time to get to the plot, and instead let us set out for fair Camelot. Chatterbox Audio Theatre presents Gawain and the Green Knight, as told by Charlton Minor Lewis, adapted for audio by Robert Arnold. King Arthur and his court were blithe and gay in high-towered Camelot on Christmas Day, for all the table round were back again, at peace with God and with their fellow men. (laughs) In the great hall, the Christmas feast was done. The level sunbeams from the setting sun stretched through the casements to the wall and wove fantastic shadows over all. But, in an alcove, unobserved, apart, young Gawain sat with Lady Elfinhart. Lady Elfinhart, I can keep my peace no longer. You must know of my affection towards you. Yes, dear Gawain, I know. You do? Then please, tell me you feel the same. Oh, but I cannot do that. A lady must save her affections for only the noblest of knights. And you have not yet proven yourself in battle, Gawain. No. But my time will come. And it will come soon. When it does, dear lady, will you return to me my words of love? Oh, tell me you will. There is a certain subtle twilight mood. When two hearts meet in a dim solitude that thrills the soul eaten to the fingertips and brings the heart's dear secrets to the lips. But Arthur, on his kingly dais seat, felt nothing of the passion and the heat that fire young blood. He raised his warlike head and glancing moodily around him said, So, you have feasted well today, my knights, and you have filled your hearts with revelry. But to my mind, that day is basely spent which passes without some deed of chivalry or of arms. Holy day or no, we must not rust in indolence. Instead, let us devise some bold adventure. And lo, while yet he spoke from far away in the thick shroud of the departed day, upon the frosty air of evening born, came the faint challenge of a fairy horn. hear that? The fairy folk must be near. Their presence sometimes bodes well and sometimes bodes ill. I wonder which it is. 
I suspect we will soon find out. The sound is getting closer. <gasps> oh, Gawain! What fun! If an adventure is to take place, I beg you, show us your prowess this night. But Lady Elfenheart, we know not what this strange signal portends. It could be a sign of great danger. <laughs> oh, wonderful! In fact, the more dangerous the better, don't you think? And Gawain, though in valor next to none, wished that her heart had been a tenderer one. His sword was out for any foe on earth, and yet to face death for a lady's mirth seemed scarce worthwhile. Whatever honor bade he'd do, but he might have liked a tear or two. This sound heralds the very adventure I invoked. Be on your guard, knights. Some strange force approaches the castle. Not to worry, sire. The doors are bolted fast. And now, my laboring muse is hard beset, for something followed such as never yet was writ or sung by human voice or hand, save those that tell old tales from fairyland. For you see, the great doors opened wide, in rushed a blast of winter from outside, and with it, galloping through the frigid air, rode a great green giant on a great green mare. People circled round him, all in awe, and circling stared, and this is what they saw. Cassock and hood and hose all green, and skin that bore the same odd sheen. Green were his eyes, green his beard, green his nose, green his ears. Green were his fingers, green his hair, green his raiment and his monstrous mare. He rode, unarmed, uncorseted, unshielded, except that in his huge right hand he wielded a frightful battle-axe, with blade as green as coppery rust, but the long edge shone keen. Such was the stranger, and he turned his head, leapt from his horse, and then he said, <coughs> So, this is the great King Arthur's court. My noble lord, I heard you proclaim that you felt a bit idle this day. Instead of dancing and feasting, you wished your gallant warriors would expend their energies on grander pursuits. That wish, my lord, was worthy of a king. It pleased me, and so I have arrived to answer it. Who are you, Knight of Green Countenance? And what would you ask of us? I ask nothing, but I bring the promise of adventure. Not a long, tedious expedition, mind you, but merely a merry jest. Speak plainly, Knight. You see this? It is my battle-axe. Let any one of your knights, the bravest... Take it in hand and swing it at me. Let the blade fall on me wheresoever he wishes. I will abide the blow, and I will keep my peace. But in twelfth month from this day, let that same night come to me. And if I live, he must permit me to return the strike. That is all. Well, what say you? Who among you shall accept my simple bargain? The jest seemed fair indeed, but nonetheless no knight showed any undue forwardness. Until... I accept it! Noble Gawain, you need not accept this unknown trickster's bargain on his word alone. But I will. If the Lady Elfenheart wishes me to. Oh, yes. Yes, I'd love to see you try. And if the jest proves fatal, 
Will you mourn me, my lady? Fatal? I see. Perhaps you are afraid. <laughs> and suddenly Gawain felt foolish to throw his whole life to the fortune of a blow. For true valor breathes not in the braggart vaunt. True honor takes no shame from idle taunt. So let this wizard, if he wants to, scoff. Why should our hero have his head cut off? While thus Sir Gawain, wrapped in thought intense, debated honor versus common sense, the stranger knight was casting his green glance around the circling throng. Until, by chance, he met the eyes of Lady Elfinhart. And did she flush? Did the green knight start? Surely a quiver twinkled in each eye, but what of that? It need not signify. Beneath his glance a brave man well might flush. What wonder, then, that a fair maid should blush? And as for him, no man that ever loved could look upon her loveliness unmoved. But from these digressions upon love and glory, tis time we were returning to our story. I only meant, in a few words, to tell you, for fear my heroine's conduct should repel you, that if she jests, for instance, out of season, perhaps there is a good substantial reason? Enough! I must find myself in the wrong location. Is this not the glorious round table? Are these men not the knights of King Arthur? Or are they merely braggarts? who quail before a simple jest. Silence! Your tongue runs away with you, knight. Whoever you are, you shall not be permitted such insolence. By my sword, Excalibur, I shall meet your challenge. Kneel, then, and bear the consequence of your foolish game. My lord, I beg you, do not risk your life in service of an idle jest. A challenge has been put before this court. It must be answered. If no man among you... Forgive me! <laughs> Forgive me, my lord and king. The lady's response gave me pause, but it was merely momentary. Speak quickly, Gawain, for speed is the only thing that will stay my hand. If ever I have served you, my king, then permit me to serve you now. I will revenge this mad monster's jest. I will strike the blow and take the return strike in one year's time. Well, noble king. As you wish. Step forward. Excellent. And now, brave Gwain, wheresoever you choose to strike, you shall be permitted to strike. I will not impede you, even if it means my life. Well, where shall it be then? In the neck. The neck! An excellent choice. Here then, take my axe. Now, I kneel before you. But don't forget, on the 25th of next December, you have promised to take the self-same strike from me. And... Where may I find you, then? We'll speak of that momentarily, brave knight, for if I cannot speak, then you need not go. <laughs> and so crowded in the knights and ladies of the court. They pushed and craned their necks to see the sport, not from the lust of blood, for few expected to see blood shed, or the green knight dissected, but knowing that some marvel was in store, unparalleled in all Arthurian lore, and fairly filled with wide-eyed wonderment. But Lady Elfinhart stayed not. She went into the alcove where we saw her first, and laid her sweet face in her arms, and burst into... But none could tell, unless by peeping, whether she shook with laughter or with weeping. Well, Gawain? And Gawain rubbed his arms. 
His chest he beat, then grasped the battle-axe and braced his feet, and swung the ponderous weapon high in the air, and brought it down like lightning, fair and square. Yes, it happened. The axe flashed through, cutting the green knight cleanly right in two. A perfect strike. As clean a stroke as was ever delivered. Well done, Gawain. Well done. I knew. But then, deadly pallor overspread each face. For the knight's body stood up in its place, and stepping nimbly forward seized the head that lay still on the hearthstone, seeming dead, then vaulted lightly with a careless air back to the saddle of his grass-green mare, He held the head up, and behold, it spoke. My congratulations on that stroke, Sir Gawain. It was delicately done. Our merry little jest is now well underway. But fail me not. Remember, I will see you again on the Feast of Christmas, one year hence. Do not disappoint me. At the Green Chapel, by the murmuring mirror, I will await you when the sun sinks low, and there I will pay you back full measure. (laughs) And with a whirring flash of emerald light, both horse and rider vanished in the night. Sir Gawain had cut off the Green Knight's head, and Arthur and his court had gone to bed. In the great hall the dying embers shone with a faint ghostly gleam, and there, alone, while all the rest of Camelot was sleeping, in the dark alcove Elfinhart lay weeping. (laughs) But as she lay there, all about her head, there fell a checkered beam of moonlight shed through the barred casement, and she faintly stirred, for in her troubled soul it seemed she heard vague music from some region far away. She raised her head and, turning where she lay, saw in the silver moonlight the serene and tranquil beauty of the Fairy Queen. Prepare yourself, Lady Elfinhart. He shall be tested. Yes, I have done as you wish. But why must we wait a year for this test to be completed? One year is but a blink of an eye to us fairies. But, in mortal terms, it it is long enough to distill the truth of a man's character. Gawain's response will be no rash choice, but a considered decision. And thus... It will better represent what is really in his heart. Please, I don't understand. No? Then have patience, Lady Elfinhart. All will become clear. A year passed by, as years are wont to do, winter and spring, summer and autumn too, till mid-December's swirling flakes of snow warned Gawain that the time was come to go to the green chapel by the murmuring mere and take again the blow he gave last year. In the great court his charger stamped the ground, while knights and weeping ladies thronged around to arm him 
as the custom was of yore, and bid him sad farewell for evermore. God go with you on your journey, Sir Gawain. That green knight should be quaking in his boots at your approach, Gawain. Be stout and true. I will. Uh, have you seen the Lady Elfenheart? I had hoped she would come to bid me farewell. I am here, Gawain. Oh, my dear lady. It was you I desired to see above all others. Yes. I do not know what perils this quest holds, Lady Elfenheart. Nor do I know what God has planned for me. If by chance I do not return... Shh! Do not speak such thoughts, Gawain. Here, wear this. It is a sprig of holly from my gown. Wear it on behalf of a... a loyal friend whose hopes and prayers go with you on your journey. I will! And with these hopes and prayers to sustain me, dear lady, I know I shall prevail. Fare you well! Yeah! For weeks, Gawain traveled an unknown way, unhoused at night, companionless by day. The cold sleet stung him through his shirt of mail, but underneath, his stout heart would not fail. It beat full measure through the fiercest storm and kept his head clear and his brave soul warm. No need to tell the perils that he passed. He conquered all and came unscathed at last, to where a high embattled castle stood, deep in the heart of a dense willow wood. Hark! Hark and hear me! Any who dwell here! Who is it? Who calls? I am Gawain, knight of King Arthur's round table. Take this message to your lord. I have been traveling many days in service of a quest, and I am very near my destination. I seek guidance the rest of the way. Moreover, I seek friendly shelter, a bed, and a good meal. If that is your pursuit, then welcome, noble knight. The baron of the castle will be glad to greet you and provide you with whatever you need in order to complete your quest. Please, come inside. Indeed, the baron, overjoyed this guest had come, bade Sir Gawain feel welcome and at home. <laughs> that night, our hero and the baron ate a sumptuous dinner in the hall of state, and all the household, ranged along the board, made good cheer with Sir Gawain and their lord. A knight of the round table! This is indeed an honor for my humble home. Yes, we welcome you, friend, and we hope you'll avail yourself of our every courtesy. Isn't that right, dear? Of course. Sir Gawain is invited to stay with us as long as he wishes, as long as he needs, in order to complete whatever task lies before him. Well said, my dear. More wine! Make sure our guest receives his fill. But tell us, Gawain... What is this quest which brings you to our castle, deep within Fairyland, and so many days distant from your home? Ah, the story is a strange one, my lady, and to some extent it remains a mystery, even to me. But I can tell you that my path takes me to a place known as the Green Chapel, by the Murmuring Mere. Perhaps you have heard of it? Heard of it? I should say so, you... You are familiar, I trust, with the one who makes his home there. Yes. In fact, it is him whom I seek. He owes me a debt, one that he is all too eager to repay. And you would rush to accept this repayment, 
despite what it might mean for you. I have given my word. I am to meet him on Christmas Day. I should like one among you to lead me to the chapel, if that is possible. I do not have much to offer as compensation, but... My friend, I admire your spirit. I will guide you to your destination personally, but your appointment is not until Christmas, which is yet three nights away. The Green Chapel is nearby. In the meantime, I insist you stay with us. Yes, please, Sir Gawain. Until Christmas arrives, consider this castle your home. That is very generous of you, Baron. Baroness? You will lodge with us the next three nights and two days. And and I know exactly how we will pass the time, for I propose a merry jest. At this, Gawain gave a sudden start, for some old memory seemed to clutch his heart, and in the baron's eyes he might have seen the briefest twinkling gleam of green. Here it is. At this time of year, my men and I hunt for wild boar daily in the wood. While we do so, you will consider this castle your own, and you will live in it and run it as if that were the case. Each night, when I return, we will meet together by candlelight, and we will exchange the yield of our respective days. I shall give to you, uncomplainingly, all my winnings from the wood. In return, you shall give to me all you have procured as master of this castle. My lord hardly needs my help in claiming the rightful yield of his own home. True, but perhaps another man will discover some benefit here that I've overlooked. What do you say, Gawain? It's a simple proposition. For the next two days, my fortune shall be yours, and yours shall be mine. To Gawain, this seemed generous indeed, and with most cordial laughter he agreed. They clasped hands o'er the bargain with good zest, and then all said good night and went to rest. The next morning, Gawain was awakened early from a deep slumber by the hurly-burly of footmen, horsemen, porter, and groom, bustling beneath the windows of his room. He rose and looked out, just in time to see the baron and a goodly company of huntsmen, armed with crossbow, axe, and spear, ride through the castle gate and disappear. Yes? Good morning, sir. The Baron asked me to bring you these robes to wear. He bade me tell you to think of them as your own. Ah, thank you. As well, sire, for so I have been instructed to call you. My lady asks if you can spare an hour this morning for idle conversation. Of course. I should be delighted. But I must be a very poor lord, as I have limited knowledge of my own castle. Will you lead me to her bower? I will, sir. So Gawain dressed and the servant led him through crooked corridors and archways dim, along low galleries echoing from afar, and down a winding stair, then said, Here we are. My lady awaits you inside. Thank you. Baroness? Are you here? I was told... Oh! Baroness! Don't! (laughs) Stop! What is the meaning of this? Leave me! I intended for you to find only my corpse with that knife embedded in its heart. Curse the cowardliness that stayed my hand. But Baroness, why would you wish to harm yourself? Why? Oh, what do you know of life, young knight? What do you know of sadness? Of despair? Living for years in this castle entombed, a prisoner, without hope, without freedom, without love. My lady, I confess your words and actions move me. And stir within me all manner of tumultuous feelings. But please, do not ask me to return this gesture of affection. 
for my heart already belongs to another. Oh, and, and where is this other for whom you are so willing to forgo my love? She waits for me in Camelot. A place, as you yourself have said, to which you may never return. True. But though I be here in this castle with you, on my way toward the completion of my quest, my heart remains with her. Very well, then. Leave me. First I must have your word. That you will do no violence to yourself, neither with your own dagger, nor with any of the other implements of war that are to be found in this castle. Yes, yes, I swear it. I have borne my unhappiness for this long already. Now go. That afternoon, when Gawain learned that his good host the Baron had returned, he met him in the hall at candlelight, according to his promise of last night. Well, Gawain, our little game is underway. Witness what good fortune I've had with this morning's hunt. Men? Ha! Have you ever seen such a wild boar? Why, it must have been roaming fairyland for years, growing fat just waiting for me to encounter it. And yet, by the terms of our agreement, Gawain, it now belongs to you. I offer it freely. Very generous of you, my lord. Isn't it? I imagine you will have some trouble equaling such generosity in your gift to me. Not so, sire. For here is my own yield from this day. Well, uh... <laughs> By my great-great-grandsire's beard, uh, better than all the dead boars in Christendom, is one sweet, loving kiss. But tell me, Gwen, from whence did it come? Ah, uh, good sir, you step beyond the term stipulated in our bond. Accept the kiss, as I accept this trophy of your skill, and be at peace. <laughs> oh, fair enough, Gwen, fair enough. Now... As lord of this castle, what would you have these men do with the boar I brought you? Why, we shall dine on it this very night. That is, if it pleases the baroness. A generous and thoughtful lord and master. Well, my dear, what say you? Shall we prepare for another feast? Of course. <laughs> One whole day longer must our hero rest within doors to fulfill the merry jest. So when, the next morning, Gawain once more heard the hunters in the court, he never stirred, but let the merry horsemen ride away, while he slept soundly well into the day. Later he rose and strolled from room to room, through vaulted twilights of ancestral gloom, until... Descending a long stair, he found the dim-lit castle crypt deep underground. There, sculptured effigies forever kept their long-last marble silence as they slept, and iron sentinels on bended knees held eyeless vigil in old panoplies. Just look at these monuments! Such brave epitaphs, such testaments to honor and to glory. One cannot help but envision one's own death 
when it appears as imminent as mine does. I wonder, shall I be commemorated in this heroic way? Or shall I die unremembered, unwept, unloved? You are hardly unloved, Sir Gawain. <gasps> Baroness, you startled me. I am sorry if you overheard my idle reflections. Not at all. They befit a young knight whose bravery is still unproven. You were kind to me yesterday, Gawain. Not only did you accept my kiss, but you did not report its origin to my husband. Since you proved yourself an excellent steward of my kiss, I should like to offer you another. Baroness, though I admit my lips may be tempted, I'm afraid I must refuse. As I told you, my heart belongs to one who waits for me in Camelot. And though I may well go to my death tomorrow, I shall go to it having been true to her. I fear, then, that I cannot accept your kiss. Though your affection and your friendship, I will accept without pause. A noble reply, Sir Gawain. Perhaps then I may give you a gift of another sort. When you leave here tomorrow, you go off into danger. I have something that will help you face it. Here. Your, your, your girdle? I know it appears as nothing but a band of plain green silk. But believe me, it is far more valuable. I received it long ago as a gift from one of the residents of Fairyland. It is an enchanted girdle. It keeps its wearers safe from all harm. Tie it round your waist, under your armor, and wear it as you complete your quest. Though you should fall victim to a thousand enemy arrows, you will nevertheless find yourself without the slightest scratch. I... I had no idea such enchantments existed. You need this girdle's protection far more than I. Will you promise to accept it? and keep it, and carry it with you on your journey tomorrow. I will. I promise. That evening, the Baron and our knight met to exchange their gifts at candlelight. Well, Gwen, I'm sorry to report that my luck appears to have left me. After an exceptionally successful kill yesterday, it... It seems that the wild deer and boar have fled the forest. Today they managed to evade our little hunting party completely. I fear, then, that I have no gift to offer you. But what have you to offer me? Not a thing. By noon the next day, Gawain and his host rode side by side along the perilous coast of the Grey Mere, from whose unquiet sleep reverberating murmurs of the deep startled the still December's listening air. The Baron pointed seaward and called out, There, that way lies the Green Chapel and the Green Knight whom you so foolishly seek. Oh, the stories of the knight errants he has slain. Did I not already know his axe to be shaded green? I, I shouldn't wonder that it was tinted red with knight's blood. And uh, have none who faced him ever bested him? Not one. Though they may be skilled and brave, and though some have even been protected by magic. The road forks here, my friend. For my own safety I will ride with you no further. I beg you, take the leftmost path, which will eventually lead you back to Camelot. Do not take the rightmost, which instead will lead you to the Green Chapel and to certain doom. I have given my word. Very well, then. Godspeed, Sir Gawain. So Gawain chose the lower road and passed along the desolate shore. The die was cast. The western skies, 
as the red sun sank low, dropped purple shades across the drifted snow. And Gawain knew that the dread hour was come for the fulfillment of his martyrdom. He came to a hollow, all circled round with barren hills, and on the bottom ground stood the green chapel, moss-grown, solitary. In sooth, it seemed the devil's mortuary. And then Gawain, as promised, found him, with ghastly skulls and bones strewn round him, in joyous fury, urging his axe-steel against the surface of a grinding wheel. Green Knight! I have arrived as promised. I am here to fulfill our agreement. Sir Gawain, you are punctual to the day. It is just as I expected. But you look a trifle pale. I trust you are not ill. Perhaps I can offer you a cup of green tea to warm you on this cold Christmas morning. No? All right. Well, today our little jest comes to its conclusion. Are you ready to receive your repayment? I'm ready. Then you will kneel before me now. I will. Excellent. And you will abide the blow as I did for you. I will. Very well. I already have my axe in hand. Shall we get on with it? Yes, please. And you was more than enough delay. Was it now? <laughs> so be it. <clears throat> but, Sir Gwen, you shrink from my axe. I'm sorry. I could not help myself. You understand, I trust, that I cannot strike true unless you hold perfectly still, as I did for you, recall. Yes. Try once more, please. This time I swear to hold as still as death. Well said. Let us commence. Very good. You're holding quite still now, brave knight. I knew you could do it. Just if you must after the blow is struck. Tarry no longer, I beg you. Very well. In that case, I raise my axe one final time. And strike. <clears throat> that is all? It is done? But you have only grazed my neck. You have drawn but the thinnest trickle of blood. <laughs> Are you surprised? Why, we owe one another no ill will, my friend. Stand up. Stand up. The jest is complete. Your debt is repaid. I, uh, don't understand. Upon the first swing of my axe, Gwen, you showed some slight fear. I owed you at least that much for the blow you delivered to me twelve months ago. On my second swing, you were still, but impatient. That pays you back for the kiss you took from my wife. Your wife? Indeed. Why, here she is now. You are well met, Gawain. I see you have conducted yourself nobly. On my third swing, I drew a bit of blood. Now that is in revenge for something you acquired yesterday, but yet did not yield to me, as per our arrangement. The lady's girdle. Indeed. Would it surprise you to know that it carries no magical qualities whatsoever? Whether it does or not, I yield it to you now, my lord, as I should have done yesterday, without hesitation. I am ashamed of my conduct, as a knight and as a man. It is but a small offense, Gawain, and one that is easily forgiven. All men hold life dear. But why have the two of you done this? Why have you designed these trials to test me? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you would prefer to ask the Lady Elfinheart. Hello, brave Gawain. Lady Elfinheart, you are here as well? But why? To watch you prove your bravery and honor as a knight, as I knew you would. And thus, you prove 
Your worthiness of my love, Gawain. You mean... You have arranged these tests in temptation? Oh, no! They were arranged on my behalf by the fairy king and the fairy queen, who stand here before you. Did you not know, Sir Gawain, that these two found me as an infant abandoned in the wood? And that they rescued me and raised me as their own, until I was old enough to join King Arthur's court. We knew the day would come when Lady Elfenheart would wish to give her affections to a knight. But we also knew that that knight would have to prove himself worthy, and you had not yet done so, Gawain, until today. Then I was never in any danger. Danger? <laughs> oh my, yes. Let's just say it's a good thing you proved yourself honorable during our, our, our little game. <laughs> Lady Elfenheart, you see now that no matter the trial, I will face it, and I will do so with you in my heart. You know how deeply I love you. And so I ask you again, will you return that love? I will, Gawain. I will. And with this tribute paid to knightly glory, it seems most fitting to conclude my story. Entreat me not, dear reader, to impart further of Gawain or of Elfenheart. For this alone I know. The power that wove through human lives, the warp and woof of love, wrought not in darkness, nor with hand unsure. His fabric must forevermore endure. And of all sure things, this thing I'm surest of, that the best cure for love's own ills is love. been listening to Chatterbox Audio Theater's production of Gawain and the Green Knight, as told by Charlton Minor Lewis, adapted for audio by Robert Arnold, featuring Stephen Brown as the narrator, Harrison Sale as Gawain, Victoria Gibson as Elfenheart, Rodney Rastall as the Green Knight and the Baron, Giselle Carroll as the Fairy Queen and the Baroness, and Chris Cotton as King Arthur. Also featuring the voices of Jillian Barron and Chase Wages. Sound effects by Jillian Barron and Chase Wages. Music by Chris Cotton. Artwork by Mimi Heron. Produced by Ben Fickthorn. Directed by Pamela Poletti. This is Pamela Poletti. The mission of Chatterbox Audio Theater is sparking imaginations through outstanding theatrical recordings. Download our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. And that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. On our website, we have posted a conversation with the director of this piece, Pamela Paletti. She sits down with our education director, Leslie Barker, and talks a little bit about the behind-the-scenes process of creating Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, and speaking of behind-the-scenes, as always, we have some behind-the-scenes photos, or I guess behind-the-microphone photos, uh, on the website as well. And they show you a little bit of how some of the effects in this show were achieved. So I don't want to give too much away, but for example, uh, the Green Knight's behavior Heading, that lovely crunchy beheading uh, involved mistreating a head of lettuce. Up next. Put on your helmet, buckle up your seatbelts, keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times, and don't forget your dancing shoes. Here we go! Dottie is a creative young girl whose imagination takes her on an epic adventure inside her own room. Why is it so important to you to have a brain? Well, 
I live on the floor next to your bookshelf, and I've always dreamed of reading those books. There she will encounter creatures made of socks, soda cans, and squeaks, and will journey on to discover the secret of the wizard who lives inside her air conditioner. <laughs> I'm scared! I'm more scared! I'm made of, of, of 100% cotton. This is a fun, funny, family-friendly riff on The Wizard of Oz. Uh, we performed a live version of it at this year's Memphis Children's Theater Festival, which we'll also post along with this release. It is written by Leslie Barker, and it is called Head, Heart, Courage. That's coming up in a few weeks. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or your favorite podcatcher software. That way you will not risk missing a single episode. And speaking of not missing an episode, our entire back catalog, our entire archive is freely available on iTunes and on our website, chatterboxtheater.org. So if you like what we're doing now, you will like what we have been doing over the past nine years. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Chatterbox Audio Theater. National Safety Council warns Americans that the most common accidents occur within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to check the mail. What? Ah, wow, wow, wow. Yes, it's the time you think you're the safest, that you're in the most danger. Within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going out to get the paper. National Safety Council advises that you use extreme caution whenever you are within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, I'm going to let the cat out. <laughs> to be completely safe, never come within 20 feet of your own front door. Honey, pass the ketchup, will you? Pass what? The ketchup! Okay, here it comes! Tomorrow, we'll discuss the threat of killer condiments. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you bleeding? I can't tell. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Have a good day.